next we have Twain, which was eventually given to Mavis Staples and released by her, but it was actually included on several different configurations of the Dream Factory album. And I don't have, I don't really have much to say about this one. Uh, the train sound effects on the song are really cool and really add uh, a nice, you know, vivid element. You know, you can really visualize the train in your head. And for me, it has an old school soul vibe, almost almost like Motown, like somebody like Aretha Franklin would, would sound really good on a song like this. Um, I think it's a great, for that reason, it's a great fit for an artist like Mavis Staples. But I don't know, for me, there seems to be a disconnect with, with Prince singing a song like this, but that's just, you know, my personal opinion and personal preference. But Dreamy, what are your thoughts on Train? It was a great way to open this two of the ball for starters. Like, like within seconds, I was like, dude, I'm, I'm feeling this. I'm vested. And yeah, I, I agree with the, the Motown vibes. I was thinking like, well, well, maybe because I know Mavis Staples eventually did, but I'm, I'm thinking it is better suited for that. But I find that it's, it's one of those grooves on this whole set that I just got, like, I just get trapped in. I just love every second of it. And I find that his vo- his vocal range, he's like, he's all in falsetto, and it makes me think of his earlier recordings. It's an, an interesting artistic choice is what I had in my notes. And it's also an just the story is interesting because he says that if, if she she's not feeling it anymore, he won't change the way. Like, he usually doesn't take that approach when things aren't quite working. But yeah, right. like, cool. And then we have another instrumental. It ain't over to the fat lady sings. And I have very little notes on this one because I'm not a huge fan of instrumentals in general, but it made me think of something from the I'll Do Anything sessions that that is on the the 1999 compilation uh, of the Vault Old Friends for Sale. It made me think of of you know one of the jazzy one of the jazzier numbers on that album or that collection. Um, you know, it would fit well with with those type of songs. So I I enjoy it, but again, not a standout for me. Um, Dreamy, what do you think of It Ain't Over Until the Fat Lady Sings? Yeah, first time running through the set, it was one I had to set aside with a couple other ones just because I didn't remember it. And like, maybe it's, be- maybe it's because it's an instrumental and it's like, it's, yeah, I, I have like very jazzy horns and piano, but... Other than that, I'm having a lot of trouble really re- thinking of anything to really say about it. It's probably not one I'm going to write, so I'll my way to pick up and to. Okay, yeah. So next we have Eggplant, the original Prince version, the Prince vocal version. So what do you think of Eggplant, Jamie? Yeah, this was another one I had to 
set aside and like remind my, myself what it sounds like and like what's like such a catchy melody. It's kind of hard to believe that I couldn't remember it, but there's this is a lot of music. Yeah, so some reason the about the melody makes me think about Christopher Trade. Like it's very similar, and the just the whole story of this one is That's and it's weird, and it's like it's sounds like this this girl is like very very nuts and very sexually charged, and yeah. the, per, the, the percussion. I don't know what how the heck he recorded it, but. It, it's it's a really cool different sound. I I enjoy that and that gets in my head. And right. the other the only other thing I could think was like in the the modern age, like we have emojis and supposedly the there's an eggplant emoji and it's owed for something sexual and I'm like thinking Prince was ahead of his time. He was using it in a different context before everybody else was, so I don't really, I'm not, I don't know what the heck all that is about, but it, it's a fun song. I like this one. Yeah, interesting to think about the the emoji connection. But, um, yeah, my notes I have, it's a very fun song. It's a funny song. It made me laugh in several different places. And it's very, like you said about the drums, it's very quirky sounding. There's a, there's a quirk factor to it that I really, really like. And it is really catchy. And the the Christopher Tracy connection you made, I made the same connection as well. It's a, so there's, there's that connection as well. And the only real observation I made about it was it's a shame that was never performed live because to me, it would have made a great live track because it has that that energy and that fun vibe to it. Would have been great in a live setting. So yeah, I really like I really like this song and and it's it's a fun one to listen to. So next we have everybody wants what they don't got. So I have I have very little notes on this one. Um, it. It uh, it makes me think of a of a theme song for a seventies TV sitcom like um, like The Odd Couple or or even a late seventies sitcom like Three's Company or or something like that. It makes me think of theme music for a TV sitcom in the late seventies and early eighties. It's it's pretty good and the message is kind of interesting you know um talking about you know in terms of the grass always being greener on the other side of the of the fence and you know everybody wants what they don't got and you know that whole cliche of that you know saying but um yeah it's a it's a fun little interesting song um, I like it well enough. Dreamy, what are your thoughts on everybody wants what they don't got? It's pretty much the same. It's kind of middle of the road, but it's kind of a nice little melody to it. Um, 
I kind of, I mean, they're not exactly the same subject matter, but it made me think of the song You Don't Grow on Trees from the 1999 vault. He did a, a random song about, like, some, like, a, you know, common problem that people seem to have, like, they're, like, they're, they're unhappy in their lives or whatever else. I don't know. I don't have a whole lot more to add. It's kind of a, a quick, short, nice little song. <laughs> yeah. Um, Blanche is the next track. And obviously, Prince had either seen a film version of Streetcar Named Desire or um, been to a, I don't know, a, a stage version of Streetcar Named Desire because that's what this song is about. Um, Dan Lee and Blanche from Streetcar Named Desire. And I've never seen the, the movie version or the stage version, so I have no contact with which to, um, you know, enlighten my point of view of the song. But, um, yeah, it's just super, super funky, and it's, it's Prince in his confident... You know, um, <laughs> max mode, I guess you could say. You know, trying to, trying to pick up, you know, trying to pick up the chick, trying to, you know, be be smooth and, you know, be the uh, Mac Daddy Prince, basically. And uh, <laughs> there were there was a, a lyric that really stood out to me that really made me smile because it. It's totally Prince. It's total. It's total confidence, and it's a total. It's a total line that you would you would think he would come up with in a song, which is, "You ain't been driven till you try my ride." So I I absolutely love that song, and it may be a little crude and a little rude and a little forward, but I, to me, that's that's totally Prince, and it just. It just made me smile and chuckle how bold and forward it was. So, and then, you know, towards the end of the song where he says, you got me on fire. That line was absolutely, absolutely amazing. I just loved it. So, yeah, very, very, very funky track. And one of the standouts for me on the set. Jimmy, what do you think of Blanche? Another really good groove that like uh, I I got it's one of those songs I got to move to and I I find that I my ribs hurt by the end of it <laughs> uh, you know I find that maybe it, it a little long and maybe that loses me a bit towards the end but at, as a whole I I do like it yeah I don't in street park either I think the closest I ever came to it was I saw the the Simpsons did it, and and Marge got cast in the play or something. And it was a time where she felt like underappreciated, and at the very end, thing like Homer kind of got the idea behind it, and and he he's like he kind of like makes up for like not appreciating her quite as much, if only for like the last couple minutes of the episode, but. 
Yeah, it's definitely best to get the whole context. It's a should be at some point, plus it's a classic, so. Okay, okay, good. So that's Blanche. And then the next track we have is Soul Psychedelicide, which is actually one of the rare cases where a song title is referred to in another song. Of course, we hear about the song Soul Psychedelicide in the song Joy in Repetition. He references... Uh, the song's a year long and had been playing for months when they walked into the place. So, yeah, the song is plenty long, and it gets repetitive a little bit towards the end, but I'll stop there and let you go, Dreamy. What do you think of Soul's Psychedelicide? Yeah, it took me a, a few minutes to well, They don't really do much in the song until, like, he gets to a point where they 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 actually say the name. I'm like, oh, okay, I know this song, and I'm thinking, I'm 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 kind of surprised it's not longer than 12 minutes because they talk about how they've been playing the song for months. But like, I I I'm still not sure by that lyric if he means that they've been playing it for months or for four months, like the number four. Like like it, it's hard yeah. for sure. But they they probably. Thought it's one probably one of those groups he drilled into them like for hours and days and weeks to the point yeah. where it's like, they're raw but they they know it like they have it down cold and it's like I'm, it's one of those songs where you 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 gotta mentally prepare yourself if you're not into it it's like okay I'm gonna be here a while might as well just get into the groove and feel it and I like. It seems like throughout he he shouts ice cream translation for like the, just like really hitting the drums like really fast and that's where the groove kind of starts and that's like he uses used all kinds of code words while they when they would perform on stage and that's how the whole band could like just stop on a dime and follow his lead and there are little bits that make me think that's the song it's going to be a beautiful night like that kind of start, I think it starts here, and then like the, we have the female vocals doing soul psychedelicide, and the guy, the male vocals, like they they sound like the people at the end of Mutiny, or they're, they're showing like, uh, it was Mutiny or some other song in the family, where they're saying Vogue all the way Vogue, and they're like, like psychedelicide, it's a hell of a thing, and they just... And it just it never stops, but yeah, it's like it's such a, a nice groove, and you get lost in it. But at the same time, it's like at the to your detriment. Like you gotta pick your spots to breathe, otherwise you're gonna to lose the beat. Right, right. One. Yeah. Um, to me, yeah, this is one of the this is one of the standouts of the set, really. And to me, being a guy that's generally not into instrumentals. This instrumental to me is fire. I mean, it's absolute, you know, like you say, you get into the groove and it, you just feel it and, you know, ride it for for all 12 minutes or however long it is. And I, I actually think, I actually read somewhere that this was edited down from a, from a, 45 minute or an hour long 
jam. This was edited down to 12 minutes. So um, I could definitely see that happening. And, um, yeah, the whole, the whole, you know, shouting ice cream, you know, to start it out, I'll always... I'll always think of the song under the title Ice Cream, even though they do, you know, they do repeat Soul Psychedelicide. It's a hell of a thing, you know, throughout the end of the song. But I'm going to call it Ice Cream because I, I love that. <laughs> it's quirky yeah. and it's funny. And uh, I, what I, what stood out to me the most was the bass, that bass, that synth bass, I think it's a synth bass, or it might, it might actually, no, I think it, on second thought, I think it's actually Brown Mark, but the bass is just absolutely, absolutely pumping and grooving, and it's just so, it just slaps you upside the head, you know, and I just, I, I love it, so, yeah, definitely one of the highlights for me, and it gets a little long and a little repetitive, but but great instrumental jam. Uh, one of my favorite tracks on the set overall. And yeah, I love it. So that's Soul Psychedelicide. And next we have The Ball, which this is the original version of what eventually morphed into the opening track of the Love Sexy album, I Know. And I'm glad it morphs into I know because the ball just seems a little bit, a little bit, um, I don't know. I don't want to say clumsy, but maybe just a little bit dull compared to the message of I know. I mean, the ball is more of a, a party song, a generic party song vibe where I know is you know, this spiritually uplifting message. So I'm glad that Prince saw fit, saw the need to repurpose it and change the lyrics into something more meaningful. In, and I know. Um, but I liked it. I've, what stood out to me was the lyric, got a notion about the way things are, give them up, y'all. And then I I really like that lyric because as I'm going through my own spiritual journey of personal growth and self-love and all that, you kind of got to shed, you know, your preconceived notions and your preconceived ideas about the way things are and just let them go and go with the flow. So I, I really resonated with that lyric in the song, and then there's a scream towards the end that he does that's absolutely amazing um, that really stood out to me that I really, really loved. So, those are my thoughts on the ball. Dreamy, what do you think of the ball? Yeah, most of the stuff you said I echo. I don't have too much more to add. I do, I, I do, I like having it. Um, just in the context of the whole set, i wanted to say that's a nice cool down after the last two songs. It's a lot more mellow, a lot more relaxed, and I can breathe for a little bit. I'm not grooving too much. It's a good mellow out song. 
after a couple of heavy hitters. Okay. And then we have then we have actually a song that Susan Rogers actually laughed at when she first heard it. Prince was completely um, enamored with it and thought it was something great and a real masterpiece. And and Susanna thought it was kind of kind of ridiculous and self indulgent. Um, I'm somewhere in the middle, probably more. I probably side more with Prince on this one because it's very lush and layered with the harmony vocals and the guitar solo is absolutely awesome. Oh, by the way, we're talking about Adonis and Bathsheba as the next track. So it has a it has a very again, it's one of those tracks with a with a parade vibe for me. I can very much see this fitting in with the the whole idea of the love affair between Christopher and Mary Sharon. I can see this in a love scene. I can see them, you know, making out to this song or whatever. But, um, yeah, the the layered, layered vocals makes me think of his earliest work where you would just layer harmonies on top of each other, and it's all him. And it's just so lush and full and beautiful. And then the guitar work is just ap- absolutely fire on this song. Um, and I actually had this bootleg years years before it leaked out to a wide audience. I was like only one of four or five people that had the bootleg. For, and I sat on it for like two and a half years before it was widely leaked out. And now all these years later, it's finally officially released. But yeah, it reminds me, it's a song that reminds me of God, the instrumental version, the love theme from Purple Rain, you know, with the guitar and and just the, the lushness of it and the intensity of it. And the lyrics, the lyrics are, are pretty... Uh, pretty intense and, and graphic in some places, but and I could see where it would be embarrassing for for people to listen to, so I I kind of I kind of get the sense of why um Susan Rogers would laugh at it, but musically and especially the guitar is just outstanding. So yeah, one of the highlights for me, Adonis and Bathsheba. Jeremy, what do you think of this track? Uh, I don't know where to begin. It there's there, it feels like there's like so much to it that it like it would it'll take forever to even like sum it up. It's maybe not my absolute favorite on this set. I do like it a lot. And I just couldn't help but think like there's there's so many different things that remind me of the rest of his work. Like I'm like parts of it remind me of like like, I Wish You Heaven, Crucial, Damn You, and the guitar solo, I can hear a bit of Purple Rain in there, I can hear a little bit of Shush in there. Like, there's, like, like so much to it. And I know the two characters are from mythology or whatever, but I get Garden of Eden type vibes. And the, the one thing I kind of 
one other thing I could could possibly add was, uh, like, I, I, on a whim, like, a while ago, probably a couple years, I was like, I'll, I'll go to the principal, I'm like, mm, let's see what he did on the day I was born. And, like, he didn't record a song on my birthday, but he, this is the closest to it. It was, this is, this was two days before I was born. And, oh, and uh, yeah, and I was thinking today, it's like, wait, I was, I was born on Tuesday. I knew that for a fact, which would place this at Sunday. And he apparently had a habit for recording more religious, spiritual stuff on Sunday. So maybe that's where his, his mindset was at the time. That was something I just like thought about today. Very, very interesting. Yeah. Then next we have forever in my life, the early vocal run through. So this is the first version before Prince decided to switch it up and make turn it into what would become the album version. So Jamie, what do you think of the early vocal run through of Forever in My Life? Love it. Yeah, when I, I first got to it, like, I think I, I heard that this was going to be on the set, and it's like, oh, this will be interesting. I'm not sure what to expect. And the first thing I'm thinking, okay, are the backing vocals going to be in the right place? And they were. And like, uh, maybe it's just the way it's put together, but it just feels like it's a completely new song, even though the words are exactly the same. I mean, it's a it's a completely different vocal between the two versions. But my, the first vibe I got when it started playing, I'm thinking uh, the beginning of the Sly Stone song, Everyday People, I was getting that. And then I could just picture him on acoustic guitar singing his heart out to this. Like, he really can, can feel his passion, like, straightforward. And... Like, once or twice, I think I almost teared up just because, like, imagined him writing a song like that for you. Like, you can't imagine what, how Susanna felt when she first heard it. And, yeah, it's like a, it's a nice song to kind of, like, kind of hang with. And I find between, the, like, both versions are great. And I like different things from both. I find with this one, like, I've listened to his the melody and his lead vocal a lot more and and not really paying attention to everything else. And on the other version, like, I hear the backing vocals a bit stronger, so I, I, I think I sing along to those a bit more than I do with, like, the, the lead. And it's also nice that this one kind of runs long and has time to breathe. That's also a, a, a nice highlight. Yeah. I mean, for me, for me, I, I like the version, but like you say, they're almost like, two different songs because for me this this early version sounds much more carefree and less less serious in a way. I mean the the album version sounds I don't want to say colder because that's it makes it seem less romantic, but it's just a lot more dark and a lot more haunting in a way. Where this this is more carefree and kind of poppy and in a way it almost reminded me of a of his 1970s sound, and also a little bit of a flavor of in their early 80s country, like country pop. Um, I got sort of a vibe from it. 
which I really, really like. And uh, But uh, I would say overall I prefer the the album version because it's a little more, it's a little more, uh, it has a little more of a atmosphere to it, a little more of a, a vibe. There's a, there's a starkness or a minimalness to it that I, that I really am drawn to. But the, the last, about the last third of this version, um, it sort of goes into an acoustic guitar jam where he's, you know, they're chanting forever in my life, and it sounds like the live versions, or specifically the the version from the Sign of the Times movie, where he goes into it eventually. But it sounds it sounds a lot like the live version, um, the last third of this one. So, actually, I know of a a mix that a fan made of. The the album version and then the last last third of this vocal run through, they sort of mixed them together and made sort of a hybrid hybrid version that's really cool. So I like that version as well. But yeah, good song and cool to have cool to have as a reminder of you know how songs developed in the studio and how. Prince changed the vibe to fit more with the vibe of the album in the end. So, really cool. And we have Crucial, an alternate vocal version. And overall, uh, I've talked about this on previous podcasts, but Crucial is one of the songs I absolutely am completely head over heels in love with. And I actually think it's 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 a to me it's a controversial opinion but to me this song is better than adore but that's for another day and another podcast but i love the song crucial in general but i i don't like these lyrics as, at all i'm glad he changed them um but again it's nice to have from the standpoint of hearing sketches, you know, of the studio work and how songs started out to where versus where they eventually evolved into other versions or other, you know, completely different lyrics. So, Dreamy, what do you think of this alternate lyric version of Crucial? Well, at first it was confusing. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm used to the one, some lyrics, and then some of them are identical to all points, and it veers off, and it's like, oh, crap, I'm singing the the wrong words. And then you listen to it, and it's like, eh, some, some some of the lyrics make me blush. They're a little, 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 not overly graphic, but just suggestive, I guess, especially, like, the second pre, pre-course bridge where he talks about, like, your body's river, I want every drop. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, um... Yeah, it's it's kind of a shame. Like the the version that that officially released, like it's all it's cranked too loud and every, everything sounds kind of distorted. It's like, but I wish we had a well, we would eventually get a cleaner version of it of like of that version where it's like the the vocals not distorted. It sound it, and 
also I like, but the one thing I do like, I like that this one gets to stretch out a bit too. Like I find that the ending is kind of rushed on the crystal ball version. And then, yeah, it's like we have the end of the guitar solo and then suddenly it's like fading out and it's over. At least this one, it, it, it comes to fruition as a whole. Right. Right, the ending is rushed on the crystal ball version. There's an early fade out, and yeah, I know a lot of people were upset with that back in '98 when the crystal ball set first came out. So to have this more complete uh, musical ending is nice, and uh, yeah, it's just a great song overall. But yeah, the, the the first draft of these lyrics isn't nearly as good as the the subsequent lyrics that he came up with. So, I'm, like I said, I'm glad to have that from a historic standpoint, but I definitely prefer the the revised lyrics. So, and then we have, then we have a theatrical type song that was meant for a, a banded musical that Prince wrote about two rival, fictional rival bands uh, of course, the story eventually changed and morphed and evolved into the plot of Graffiti Bridge. But at the time, the musical was called The Dawn, and one of the bands was called The Coco Boys. So we have The Coco Boys, and for me, um, this has a very love-sexy era-type vibe to it. Very... Uh, magical and shimmery and it's hard to hard to exactly describe but I really dig it. I love the the story aspect of it and sort of Prince sort of using his speaking voice in a way, you know, not his not his like not his like boring speaking voice but more of an animated um speaking voice where it's hard to explain but I really like the storytelling aspect to it and the storyline. You know, as a as a writer, that's interesting to me, and it kind of sets the scene for this, you know, this musical that that would never never take take shape in this this exact form, but would later evolve into Graffiti Bridge. And of course, then we have the, the most interesting connection to me is the the different lyrics that are in the song that connect to other future songs that were released like like um the lyric the lyric um all the boys and all the girls you are the new kings of the world would eventually be reused in positivity on love sexy and then at the end in the fade out he said he says it's going to be a beautiful night. So you're seeing kind of the origin of those ideas that would end up popping into other songs later, but they're showing up for the first time here. So it's sort of a cool aspect of, or a cool example of history being made in the studio and how different lyrics and different ideas develop over time. So it's cool to have from an historic standpoint as well. But Dreamy, what do you think of the Coco Boys? 
But I didn't know that it was meant for a musical, but once you say that, it's like, yeah, it totally makes sense. It's very cinematic, and right away, I was a few seconds into this the first time, and I was, I was blown away, and I loved every second of it. It was, It's such a, it's a cool concept. It's a cool story. Great. Love the music. Like, killer atmosphere. I don't know what else to really add. I really enjoy this one, too. Okay. Then we have When the Dawn of the Morning Comes. And, Dreamy, I'll let you start out with this one. What do you think of this track? Yeah, the the frantic nature of it makes me think of Baby I'm a Star and Trust, like songs like that. Yeah, I have in my notes that it's like a little raw sounding in places and it's like experimental in places, but it, it it's a great vibe, but I find that it, after like a couple minutes, I'm sick of it. Like it, it it's, it's like I got I get the point after a bit, and I just I'm ready for like the next song to start. Okay, yeah, I have in my notes in all caps, energy with three three exclamation points. I yep. mean, like like you say, it's a very energetic, very upbeat song. Again, I get a parade vibe. I don't know why I'm getting a parade vibe with with a lot of these songs, but and then I sort of I sort of made my own category or my own genre for songs like this. And there's one other song coming up in the set that falls under the same pretend genre. But I made up the genre of purple gospel to sort of categorize this type of song and oh, yeah. it's interesting it's interesting that you brought up baby on the star because it it i have in my notes that it sounds this song sounds like to me like a mix of christopher tracy's parade and baby i'm a star if they were blended together and sort of had a baby it would yeah. be when the dawn of the morning comes so yeah those are my notes uh I like the song, but yeah, I can definitely see your point to where after a few minutes it becomes kind of exhausting. So yeah, I can definitely definitely see that. But an interesting, an interesting song to hear and a cool one to have in this set. And uh, so yeah, next we have a song called. It bees like that sometimes, and uh, it closes out the second disc of the vault tracks, the Son of the Times vault tracks, and I don't have much to say about this one. I enjoy it, but it was it's kind of hard for me to make the lyrics out. I don't know if it's just due to my own hearing capacity or what, but it was hard to make out the lyrics, but Musically, vibe-wise, it reminded me of the song If It Isn't Love by the boy band New Edition. To go back to the boy band sort of vibe, it reminded me of that song If It Isn't Love by New Edition. And, um, you know, uh, in the... I, I'm not giving away, giving away spoilers, really, about the about Dwayne Tudal's book about the parade and some of the time sessions when I say that this was recorded um, shortly after Prince 
um, fired Wendy and Lisa and Bobby and Mark. And uh, so the the first lyric of the song is, for those of you on the way out. So you sort of wonder, or I sort of wonder, if it's a if it's a veiled message to the rebel to the members of the revolution that that were fired or let go by Prince. So that's kind of an interesting historical connection to it to the lyrics. Uh, great falsetto vocals by Prince, and there's a cool little piano solo at the end that I really really love. So yeah, I like the song and. I think it's a good way to close out the second disc of Outtakes or the Sign of the Times era. Dreamy, what do you think of It Bees Like That sometimes? Another one, I really love the vibe of it. I find whenever I I get around to it and it starts playing, it's like I feel very at ease. I feel bland. I feel happy. And it's, I'm not entirely sure what it's about because I, I do have room here that's hard to understand at points. But sounds like, yeah, people will try to bring you down, but you gotta rise above that. That's what I, the, the whole thing I kind of get out of it, and it it coincides with a couple other songs on the set that have that message. And other than that, I don't remember too much. I just like it. I just know I like the way it makes me feel. When I listen to it. <laughs> very very cool. 